the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, November the 1st, 2023, the year of our Lord. 60 days left in the year 2023. On November 1st, 1991, Clarence Thomas took his place. He was the newest justice on the Supreme Court at that time. Today in 1478, the Spanish Inquisition was established. Today in 1512, Michelangelo's just completed paintings. They were on the ceiling of the Vatican's Sistine Chapel. They were publicly unveiled. Today in 1604, William Shakespeare's tragedy, Othello, was first presented at Whitehall Palace in London. Today in 1765, the Stamp Act was passed by the British Parliament, went into effect. It prompted stiff resistance, underlined stiff resistance, from the American colonies. That was one of a number of blunders made by the British Parliament and the King toward the colonists. That led up to, of course, as we all know, the Revolutionary War. Today in 1870, the United States Weather Bureau made its first meteorological observation. They said it might rain, it might not. No, I'm kidding. They didn't say that. But they made their first observations today in 1870. Today in 1936, in a speech in Milan, Italy, Benito Mussolini described the alliance between his country and Nazi Germany as an axis running between Rome and Berlin. And today in 1952, the United States exploded the first hydrogen bomb. They codenamed the bomb Ivy Mike. They set it off on an atoll in the Marshall Islands. And today in 2022, voters gave former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu his conservative allies a victory with a majority in the country's parliament. Interesting news this morning. Joe Biden <laughs> received more money from his uh, laundered brother's account. Yeah, Joe Biden received $40,000 in addition to the $200,000 check. Now they have a check that shows $40,000 in laundered CEFC money, China Energy Company money in 2017 from, the, from his brother, James Biden, and his sister-in-law, Sarah Biden. Once again, it's in the form of a personal check. It's labeled as a quote-unquote loan repayment, but the bank says, and all of their banks say there was never any loan made that they can see. There was no exchange of money when the loan was made. There was no loan made because no money moved around. It didn't exchange unless somebody just had that much money in their pocket and they put it in someone else's pocket. They said there were, there's no transactions that support that being a loan. It was just a payment. So it was a personal check. It was labeled on the little memo line there at the bottom of the check, loan repayment. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer, 
He uncovered that this morning and released it immediately in a newly released bank records uh, memorandum. This revelation is the second one that Joe Biden personally accepted a suspicious, that's what the bank calls it, suspicious personal check from his brother James, who was involved in the Biden family's overseas business ventures. Joe Biden has denied again and again, at least nine times on the record, that he doesn't know anything about what his family is doing. Well, why are they writing him checks all the time in their business? We know why. It's pretty obvious. The discovery justifies the concerns by Republicans that the Biden business compromised Joe Biden. It also leads to further credence to the impeachment inquiry that's underway into this president. It's looking worse by the day for the Biden family. Honestly, it is. Stars of David were sprayed and spray-painted on homes in Paris last night. They are calling this, clear-minded people in Europe are calling this, what political leaders called a chilling evocation of the 1930s. About 60 stars of David were stenciled on walls in the 14th district of the French capital, Paris, as the nation as a whole deals with the rise in anti-Semitic instances. Many are recalling in Europe, and they will as they read this in America this morning, they're recalling the 1930s. It recalls the same markings being delivered on Jewish-owned businesses in Berlin, which were marked with the Star of David during the rise to power of Adolf Hitler and his Nazi party. We live in a very fragile world right now. It isn't just problematic. It's fragile. It is perilous. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's a lot in the New Testament about truth, and in the Old Testament as well. But truth is a real focus in the New Testament. John chapter 8, verse 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And of course, that is a reference to Jesus Christ himself. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So to know Christ is to know the truth, not in some you know, supernatural way in the sense that we cannot think wrong things or make mistakes in our thinking, but to know the truth To know Jesus Christ personally, it sets us free to gain knowledge and to know the truth. When we do not know Jesus Christ as personal, I know this is very, very provocative and it's probably going to incense somebody, but if we do not know Jesus Christ, we cannot never ultimately know the truth. We can know a lot of things. Some people don't know many things. Some people know a lot of things. But if we don't know Jesus Christ, we cannot we cannot understand the truth. We can never quite get to the truth. Paul, Paul talked about that in his writings. Ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And so John 16, 13 says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. 
and he will show you things to come. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God bringing the truth that Jesus Christ is the truth to all of us in our hearts as we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, indwells us. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus is the word made flesh. Truth is very elusive. Pilate looked at Jesus as they were about to crucify him, and he said, what is the truth? He was looking right at the truth, and he had no clue. He didn't know. The Bible would categorize him as one who walked in darkness, who was blind spiritually. How many times have you recently heard the word extremist or extremism used in defining somebody because of what they believe, what they stand for? A lot. But who are these extremists? Well, we're going to get to the truth of that in a minute today. I want to talk to you a little bit about truth, and I want to talk to you a little bit about extremism and how it's defined and how it is has divided our culture. It isn't dividing us. We are divided. It's not so much about political parties. It's really about discerning the truth. That's what the great divide in America is all about today, and it shows up anytime, anytime a belief system is challenged by someone in the political arena. It blows up. And we've seen that recently. The, the latest is with this, the new Speaker of the House. And I've talked about him a couple of days. It's worthy to talk about because he is uniquely, I believe, uniquely. God has brought him into that position for such a time as this. I do believe that. But let's talk about extremism a little bit. I want to thank you for your support. We do um, what I feel the Lord has led us to do on this program every day and of course, we couldn't do it without you. We are solely supported by our listeners. We have no other source of supporting this ministry. So thank you so much. And um, just I'm humbled by your generosity and by your words and your financial commitments and so on. Thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can contribute online on our website faithandfreedom.us and uh, there's a little tab there you can go to that and contribute you'll see my name on it there's a lot of faith and freedom organizations out there now I mean quite a few of them there there were not when we used that word begin using that word oh, nearly 20 years ago but um, there is now and and it's not a word you can uh, isolate uh, unto yourself it, it's these, those are words that everybody can use, and a lot of them are using it. In fact, there's a Muslim organization that's called Faith and Freedom now, so be careful. Don't contribute to that or any of the others. Contribute to us. It might, you'll see my name if you're on the right page. If you don't see it, uh, you you may be mis, mishandled or misspelled, or put .com. Don't put .com. Put .us. Pro-Palestinian demonstrators who publicly support the terrorist group Hamas would be considered extremist. Conservatives who hold Judeo-Christian beliefs and values 
They're considered extremists. Now, once that was the norm, there was a Christian consensus in America, but no more. Now, people who really do believe the Bible and believe that God speaks to our hearts and believe that Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, the life, are extreme. How can you say that Jesus is the only way to God when the Muslims believe that their way is to God? There are many paths to God. Oprah has declared that. So has Barack Obama and a number of others. It's not fair. It's not equitable to think for one moment that Jesus Christ is the only way. That if people don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God who died on a cross and rose from the dead, that's bigoted. That's where we are in our culture today. People with a lot of influence, like Oprah, I guess she still has a lot of influence. She has had. Barack Obama, he certainly has a lot of influence. I think, personally, I believe he's pushing the buttons and pulling the levers behind the scenes at the White House right now. Are MAGA Republicans, are they the extremists politically? Well, we're told they are. Are there different levels of extremism depending on what your beliefs happen to be? Yes. Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey, if you watch any of that on, you know, on Fox or on even on, you know, YouTube or whatever, he's the guy that's always asking hard questions there. Peter Ducey, and God bless him for what he does. He, at least he performs like a true journalist. But anyway, Peter Ducey has been wondering about all this extremism as well. So, so Ducey asked Biden's press secretary, this Corinne Jean-Pierre, KJP as they call her, on Monday of this week, day before yesterday, if President Joe Biden believes pro-Palestinian protesters are extremists. Anti-Israel protests have soared across the U.S. since October 7 attack on Israel was launched by Hamas. It's an Islamic terrorist group. Protesters have chanted anti-Semitic slurs, held up swastikas, and blamed Israel for the deadly attack. And they're blaming Israel more each day. Then Ducey asks, are pro-Palestine protesters held to the same standard as mega-Republicans? Does President Biden think the anti-Israel protesters in this country are extremists? (laughs) Ducey asks. Well... Little Jean-Pierre, she said, what I can say is we've been very clear on this. When it comes to anti-Semitism, there is no place, she said. We have to make sure that we speak against it very loud and be very clear about that. Remember when the president decided to run for president? Is I'm reading her verbatim. Is what he saw in Charlottesville in 2017. He saw no neo-Nazis marching down the streets of Charlottesville with vile, anti-Semitic, just hatred, and he was very clear then, and he's very clear now. It's taken actions against this over the past two years. He's taken actions against this over the past two years, and he's continued to be clear there is no place. There's no place for this type of vile and this kind of rhetoric. So Ducey followed up to that, and he said, we hear you guys, though, talk about extremists all the time. And he said, it's usually about MAGA extremists. So what about these protesters who are making Jewish students feel unsafe on their college campuses? And that's happening across the country. Ducey said, are they extremists? 
Jean, Jean-Pierre, she responds. She says, I've been very clear. We are calling out any form of hate, any form of hate. It's not acceptable. It should not be acceptable here, and we are going to continue to call that out. Well, calling it out and doing something about it is two very, very different things. She knows that, of course. Jean-Pierre then touted how Biden repealed former President Donald Trump's ban on Muslims from certain countries in the Middle East to help protect against the threat of terrorism. She said lifting of that ban exemplifies the president's condemnation of religious discrimination. She said Biden Biden is the one, not, not Trump. <laughs> she then pointed to the Interpolicy Committee that's aimed at addressing Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. Then she did what they always do on the left. She pivoted. In that same press meeting on Monday, she pivoted and she spoke about anti-Semitism by talking entirely, for minutes on end, about hate-fueled attacks on Muslims. Attacks on Muslims are not acceptable. We shouldn't be attacking Muslims unless they attack us, like in 9-11. But the whole thing was about attacking Muslims, and it was supposed to be an answer to Ducey about anti-Semitism. CNN senior White House correspondent, CNN, even they said, wait a minute, (laughs) this MJ Lee, he then asked about President Joe Biden's level of concern regarding the rise of anti-Semitism since Hamas terrorists infiltrated and killed so many in Israel on October 7th. The press secretary again expressed concerns for Muslims. She she said they have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks across the country. She said, as you know, the president ran on protecting communities, obviously bringing people together, protecting the soul of the nation. Well, John Pierre, the soul of the nation, hangs in the balance because we have a president who, along with his administration, doesn't know the truth when when he's looking at it. Or he simply disregards it, or he chooses not to accept the truth, but to believe a lie. Anti-Semitism has surged across the U.S. and across the globe since the deadly attack that caused the highest death toll among Jews since the Holocaust. As I said a few minutes ago, last night, they were putting stars of David on Jewish homes and businesses, just like in Hitler's time, in Paris, last night. The soul of this nation hangs in the balance. Anti-Semitism is surging. Pro-Palestinian protests have emerged on college campuses all across this country, notably our first university, Harvard. 30 student groups, not 30 people, 30 student groups, have wrote a joint letter in support of Palestine, and they've put it out there publicly. It's all over the place. Ford Fisher was on Twitter, or X now, formerly Twitter. He, he, he said put this up on his social media account. He said, Students for Socialism at the University of South Florida rallied this afternoon, that was yesterday, against Israel, demanding no more money for Israel's crimes. This, while, of course, the House of Representatives is trying to come up with a bill to get money to Israel to help them. No more money for Israel's crimes, they were saying. And then they chanted this, and this is becoming kind of the anthem of the anti 
anti-Semitic movement here and in, in, in Europe and in Australia. The chant goes like this, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That, of course, suggests that you wipe out, you annihilate Israel. Protesters attending a rally in New York City's Times Squares presented swastikas and anti-Semitic slogans. They blamed Israel for the attack. Democrat New York representatives Alexander Ocasio-Cortez and Jamal Bowman, to their credit, were the only two members of that far-left congressional group called the the Squad. They were the only two members of that that publicly denounced the rally. The others were not just silent. They were demonstrating for the terrorists in New York City. I mentioned that. It was about a week ago now when that, when that took place. They were out there doing it. And I talked about it for a few minutes on this program at the time. Demonstrators at these events could be heard shouting the message from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. Again, that, that is only intended as a call for violence and destruction of the state of Israel, the Israeli state. What they're doing in this whole movement, as we look at this extremism movement, it's vocabulary manipulation. Words change over time. I understand that. The word jet airplane probably wasn't a word that, or a phrase that was used a whole lot during George Washington's time. There's a challenge at the southern border, not a crisis. Migrant children are being held in reception centers, not cages. Instead of border security, it's border safety. Deleted are the phrases legal and illegal, replaced with authorized and unauthorized. See where this is going? You can think of a long list of words if you just give it a a few minutes to think about it. Words that used to mean one thing mean something else now. That's purposeful. That's Saul Alinsky teaching. If we have time, I'll get to Saul for a couple of minutes today. The leftists are using their political power to change the English language, to blur the meaning of what's right versus wrong and what's politically correct versus incorrect. Living in a world of cancel culture, as we've come to know it, it all becomes perilous to the average American. The words, the words we use are used to describe what? Who will we offend if we say something? So we're becoming more and more silent collectively. Not all of us, but many, too many. It's intentional. The left has long tried to redefine the meaning of words to their political advantage, and in many cases, they're succeeding. It's intentional. That's what they plan to do. Remember remember when then-judge Amy Coney Barrett, now Supreme Court Justice, remember when she was criticized for using the term sexual preference in responding to a question about legal protections for the homosexuals, the LGBTQ, AI, blah, 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 whatever. Um, she was responding to a question about legal protections, and she used the term sexual preference. They don't want that term because that means that you decide to be gay, you're not born that way. So that's not acceptable. They don't care who you are. 
It's no-no, and we will punish you if you use that phrase. Sexual preference has been weaponized by the left for being a homophobic slur, but only on believers, conservatives, Christians, which Amy Coney Barrett and her husband are very committed Christians. Joe Biden used that term all the time when he was running for president. There's nine documented times, and I don't have it in front of me, but I, I know that's to be that's the case. There were nine times that he used that phrase when he was giving his slurred little speeches when he was running for president. Nine times. Sexual preference. That's okay. He's not an extremist. But Amy Coney Barrett was an extremist, so it's not okay. Because she's not one of us. Look at white supremacy. Everyone knows and understands that white supremacy is bad, as it's been interpreted. But in actuality, it it only includes a very small group of people within the United States. Most of us white guys aren't supremacists. I don't feel very supreme. And if I do, I have kids and grandkids that will straighten me out. But everybody pretty much that's white that isn't a liberal far-left progressive is a white supremacist. If you love your country, if you love God, you're a supremacist. Remember when gay meant happy? My goodness, my grandmother used that word all the time because she was happy. She was having a gay old time, and I'm not 200 years old. I mean, it's not been that long ago. An extreme meant outside the general accepted biblical-based norms of society, and that's what they've been on, on the attack the last number of years. Primarily in the classrooms of our so-called public education, we've, we've educated and indoctrinated a couple of generations now of kids over the last 50 years, and now we see these kids and young adults standing out there by the thousands yelling and shouting, for the, on behalf of the Palestinians and the terrorist groups. The terrorist groups will turn on those folks and they will kill them if, when they get a chance if those folks don't become Muslims. I mean, let's be honest. That's where we are. The left is trying to indoctrinate us with this new and redefined terms that inherently pit us against each other. Americans are then bullied into using these terms out of fear that they might be perceived as bigoted. We don't want to be a bigot. We want to be liked. That's human nature. The word extremist is used to by the left to identify any person who thinks or believes differently than the elitist left. They mock a Christian because they too, the leftists, are Christians, but they don't really believe what the Bible says on many issues. Without turmoil, the left cannot advance its agenda. They must always be a victim or disenfranchised individual to protect and a political foe to demonize. And that's where I would like to get into some of the teaching of Saul Alinsky. Rules for Radicals. It's a course that Barack Obama taught at Harvard. It's a course that has been studied, in fact, Hillary Clinton was offered a job by Saul while he was still living in Chicago to work at his office. She almost accepted it, but in the end she didn't because she wanted to do other things, including begin her run for the presidency. But that was Saul Alinsky's and his rules, 13 rules. I don't have time 
to get to them today, but I would like to. So in the next couple of days, we'll talk a little bit about Saul Alinsky. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.